0: Amen. You remember this commercial in the 90s? Be like Mike. Michael Jordan, obviously the second best basketball player of all time behind LeBron James, but I'm not going there right now, okay? We're not going to go into the, who's the greatest. That's just my opinion. But Michael Jordan, obviously in the 90s, became huge, and he was such an incredible basketball player, and Gatorade partnered with uh, Michael Jordan, and they said, "Hey, if you want to be Michael Jordan, kids, all you have to do is drink Gatorade." I mean, that's kind of what the commercial was all about. And I thought, "Well, I like Gatorade. I don't really have great basketball skill, but if I just drink lots of Gatorade, I'm probably going to be like Michael Jordan." Now, I think they forgot to tell you that you have to be born with the gift of being good at basketball as well. That's a pretty big uh, understanding. I didn't get that, and so I, I drank a lot of Gatorade growing up, and drank more Gatorade, getting ready for my freshman year basketball because even though I didn't make it seventh and eighth grade, I knew freshman year, that was gonna be my year because I wanted to be like Mike. Drank my Gatorade, went to practice, thought I did well and coach sat me down and said, hey, we're cutting you today. And I said, oh, thanks Gatorade, I've been drinking this stuff forever. Now I don't ever drink Gatorade ever again. I am an anti-Gatorade person now because of that. No, not really, not. But I was never like Mike. Never got to be like that. Even though I look like an elite basketball player, I never got to become that. But what is the goal of life? Is it to become like Mike? No. The goal of life isn't to become the best basketball player, the best businesswoman. No, the goal of life is thankfully to become like Jesus. You don't have to have basketball talent to be like Jesus. All you have to do is surrender your life to Jesus and allow him to take over. And over time, slowly but surely, for the rest of our life, those of us who follow Jesus have the chance to become like Jesus. Well, we don't drink Gatorade to become like Jesus, so how do we become like Jesus? Well, it's the daily disciplines of doing what we don't always want to do, trusting that even in that process, we can become like Christ. So how do we do that? It's reading the scriptures. It's coming to church. It's having community with other Christ followers who will encourage us in our walks. It's continuously praying and listening to God throughout the day. It's sacrificially giving. It's so many things that you and I can do in order to be like Jesus. Well, one thing that I don't think we talk about enough that I want to highlight for you today in order to be like Jesus is to follow in the footsteps of those we consider to be heroes of the faith. Maybe you grew up with a mom or a dad or a grandparent who you just saw their prayer life and you thought, wow, they prayed no matter what was going on. They were always in the word. They trusted God even when life was tough. And now you would say, I, you're here today and your faith has grown because of a parent or a grandparent. They're a hero in the faith. Maybe it's a friend of yours that you're just in awe of how they live out their faith in Jesus. Even when they're around people who don't believe in Jesus, maybe it's at their workplace or some of their friends, they don't change who they are. They're still striving to be Jesus, even in a hostile environment. You're like, I want to be like that. All of us have people like that. There's one of my heroes of the faith here. I'm going to point him out. He's going to hate me for doing this. Pastor Dave. He's a hero to me. I want to be like Pastor Dave. That should be my mantra. Be like Jesus and be like Pastor Dave. What a great guy. There's people in our lives that you look at how they live and you think, man, I want to be like that. And if you don't have any examples of people in your life, all you have to do is open the scriptures. There are so many heroes of the faith that I have that when I read their story, I think, I want to be like this. And through Christ, I can be like them. For instance, when I read Hannah's prayer life in the Old Testament, I want a prayer life like that. When I read the story of Nehemiah, I want to be a leader like that. When I read about Peter in the Gospels or in Acts, I want to know grace like Peter knows grace. There are people in the stories of scriptures that you and I should strive to be like. And when we're like them, then we can be like Christ. Well, today, as we continue on in the book of Acts, which we're studying as a church, and again, I want to encourage you to read along with us. In your welcome programs, we put every week... The passages of scripture that you can read uh, coming into the week. We want you to do that. We send out a Beyond the Weekend email twice a week helping us understand Acts. We put up a video once a week of one of our pastors looking deeper into the text so we can help all grow deeper in our understanding of God's word, especially the book of Acts. And today, we're in Acts chapter 7 slash the end of chapter 6. Because we're going to be looking at a hero of the faith that doesn't get a lot of publicity. But today, we're going to make him famous. And he deserves to be famous. He's one of the most faithful people in the Bible. And if we want to be like Jesus, we ought to be like him. And his name is Stephen. And so I want you to open up your Bibles to Acts chapter six, verse five. We're gonna look at a few verses there because that's where we know Stephen's story begins and then we'll go into Acts chapter seven. And for us to understand how we can make this practical, I'm gonna give you four words that describe Stephen's life. That if you model these four words and these four words become words that you describe yourself with, you will be like Jesus by being like Stephen. So let's open up to Acts chapter six, verse five. We just discovered last week Pastor Jay told us that in the first Acts chapter 6 we read that the church is exploding, it's growing, and the leaders of the church, they can't do everything. So they tap seven guys to lead a food distribution ministry at the church to help take care of the needs inside and outside the walls. And one of the people that's listed in the seven is Stephen. And it's interesting that Luke describes who Stephen is right away. Here's Acts 6, verse 5, just the first part of it. Stephen, in parentheses, by the way, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Again, Luke wants to know who this guy is. And then just a few verses later in Acts chapter 6, verse 8, again he describes Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power. And then all the way at the end of Acts chapter 7, Luke again describes who Stephen is and uses similar language. Acts chapter 7 verse 55. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit. If you want to be like Jesus, be like Stephen. And if we want to be like Stephen, the first word, they all start with F by the way, the first word that we need to adopt in our life to be like Jesus is the word I've highlighted for you, the word full. Now, here's what's interesting about this word. If we look it up in the Greek, which is what the New Testament was written in, one of the definitions that we get of this word full is this. Of the soul, thoroughly permeated with, which simply means at the center of who we are, our souls, We are permeated or saturated or full of something. Our souls are never in neutral. We are always taking on something. We are always full of something. And for Stephen, he was full of the Spirit. He was full of God's power, full of God's wisdom. There was something about Stephen that his whole life Every aspect of his life, his soul, was centered upon God. So my question to you today is this. What are you full of? What is in your heart? What is saturating and permeating you, making you who you are? We're never neutral beings. You're full of something. And I want to ask, what is that today? When's the last time that you paused to reflect on what's going on in our souls? We are the busiest, most distracted generation of all time. And I think a lot of times we think it's because we have baseball tournaments and we have work obligations and our kids are involved in different things and we have so many things happening, and that's true but think about it. When you are just in neutral in your life and you're just resting or trying to rest, isn't it easy just to grab our phones? <laughs> or when we're at a, a store and we're waiting in line. I, I don't even know, but I'm looking at my phone. I don't even remember getting out of my pocket. We're distracted. We're busy, not just because we keep adding things into our lives, but because we don't want to look at what's happening in here. Because if we really paused to look inside of what's happening in us, I don't think many of us would like What we see. What we're full of. What we're saturated with. And so today, now that you're here, you can't run away, I hope, I want to do some soul reflection with you. So I want you to put your phones away. I don't want you to think about the people next to you. I don't want you to think what's going to happen in a little while after church. I just want you to think about yourself. And take an inventory of your soul. What are you full of? And so, work through some of these questions with me. I am full of something. It permeates my soul. It affects my entire being. What am I full of? There's really two options. Self or spirit. Spirit of God. So reflect on that for a moment. If you're like me, when I started asking ask these questions, I didn't really know. I needed some guidelines. So what I'm going to show you is a slide that shows a soul full of self and then a slide that's full of the spirit. Again, I don't want you to justify, ignore. I want you to really ask yourself, what am I full of? Because when we understand where we're at, then if we're not full of spirit, we can do something about it. But if we just ignore it or justify it or act like it's not there, we'll never grow to be like Jesus. So here's what it means to be full of self. Think about it. Bitterness, discontentment, easily giving into temptation, not desiring the things of God and people pleasing. That's evidence of a soul full of self. Now, I'm not saying these things don't happen once in a while, of course, we're human. But I'm asking, What are you full of? What is dominating your life? Is it these things? Or we see a soul full of God's spirit, the first three that describe Stephen, faith, grace, power, and then other characteristics of a self full of the spirit. Contentment, humility, unconditional love, and striving to fight temptation. Based upon those two descriptions, what are you full of? What is in your soul? What saturates you, permeates you? What must I do to make sure I'm full of God's spirit? I'll just give you time to pray right now, and then I want to pray for you. What is it that you've been ignoring or justifying or doing that's been pushing God's spirit out and What does it mean to invite the spirit back into your life so that you're full of him? That's the only way we can be like Jesus. We're full of the spirit. So just take some time with the Lord and then I'll pray. Lord, help us to make sure that we are full of your spirit. Help us to know that, God, you are the one saturating and permeating and filling up our souls. Oh, Lord, how easy it is to just continue to live life day by day by day, thinking we're okay. But when we really look at who we are, sometimes we don't like what's there. And so, God, by your grace, you're inviting us to live a life full of the Spirit, just like we see with Stephen. Help us, Lord, to invite the Spirit back into our lives so that our souls are full of it, so that we can live a life that glorifies you. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Stephen, he was... Full of the Spirit. We see it all throughout Acts 6 and 7. Anytime Luke describes Stephen's life, he makes sure to tell us he was full of the Spirit and what comes with that. Now the second thing that you and I will discover that if we want to be like Jesus, we want to be like Stephen, is this word called fruit. Now, when you are living a life full of the Spirit, you will bear its fruit, which means people will be able to notice. Even when you take an inventory of your life and you say, I'm not really sure if I'm full of the Spirit or self, now take a look at how you live. Look at your actions. Look how you treat people. Look how you talk to people. Look how you treat the people even in your homes. Not the people that you can put an act on or put a mask on for. I'm telling the people that you work with every day, or what would your boss say about you, or your spouse, or your best friend, or your kids, or your grandkids. Who are you and how are you living? Because how you're living is a direct reflection of what's going on in here, what permeates your heart. Again, Jesus, We've looked at this passage before, but it's so needed to remember that if we're healthy, we'll prove it by our actions. And if we're unhealthy, we'll prove it by our actions. Jesus, he puts it this way in Matthew 7, 17 through 20. A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. And a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruits, so you can identify people by their actions. I don't have to tell you an apple tree bears apples, an orange tree bears oranges. It's not a question. Jesus says it's not a question that those who are full of the Spirit will show it by their actions. So think of how you and I are living our lives right now. Are people blessed by us? People encouraged by us? So people feel loved by us? When people are picking the fruit of your life, because remember, trees produce fruit not for the tree, but for the consumer of the fruit. So when we bear fruit or our actions come out of our lives, it's for the other person. Is your fruit bitter and rotten? Are people eating the fruit of your selfishness and suffering because of that? Or people taking from your life healthy, nutritious, delicious fruit to where after they're with you, they're more blessed and feel more encouraged and feel more loved than before they were interacting with you. If Stephen truly is full of the Spirit, his actions will prove it. It's either there or it's not. So look at Stephen. Acts chapter 6 verse 8. Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, we already saw that. Here's the end of this. He performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. In other words, because Stephen was full of the Spirit, those who came in contact with him were blessed. Those who came in contact with him had an interaction with God through Stephen. Either it was miraculous or somehow there was a sign from God through Stephen that God loved that person or God wanted a relationship with that person or God wanted to make himself known through Stephen. How incredible is that? If your life is full of the Spirit, people will be blessed by you. People will know there's a God through how you live. Wouldn't it be so good to be known by that, to bear fruit in that our actions are such that people know that there's a God that loves them through you and I? Now, it's easy to do that with people you like or easy to do that with Christ followers. What about people that you don't like? What about naysayers and critics? What about a boss that you don't agree with? Maybe it's a spouse right now you're disagreeing with in the home or somebody that's a critic of you right now. How do you respond to them? Watch Stephen. Verse 9. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians and of the Alexandrians, these freedmen were a Greek-speaking group. They were anti-Christian. They wanted nothing to do with God, and they wanted nothing to do with those who wanted to have something to do with God. And so Stephen was going to be persecuted And they were going to criticize Stephen because of his faith in God by these people. And of those from Sicilia and Asia, they rose up and disputed with Stephen. So watch what happens, verse 10. None of them could stand against the wisdom in the spirit with Stephen spoke. That is unbelievable to me. Stephen is with these people who are lying about him, who are criticizing him who are disputing his faith. And how does he speak? How does he live? With wisdom. Where does that come from? From the Spirit. He doesn't go on Twitter or Facebook and start ranting about these people. He doesn't yell back at them, get angry with them, criticize them, demean them behind their backs. What does he do? He speaks in such a way that God is glorified. He speaks to his critics in such a way that people see God in him and through him. Can the people in your life who are not on your side right now say the same thing about you? Whether it's a spouse or a parent on a baseball team that I'm dealing with now, how am I going to treat that guy? Do these people know? That you belong to Jesus by the way you speak and act towards them. You may say you're full of the Spirit, but you can't fake fruit. You can't. It's the evidence that we're full of the Spirit. So if you want to be like Jesus, let's be like Stephen. Stephen, full of the Spirit. He was saturated with God. It came out in how he lived. And now we turn to Acts chapter 7. Stephen He is being persecuted. He gets arrested by this group, brought to these Jewish leaders. And these Jewish leaders, he knows, are going to probably kill him in the end. He knows how this goes. And the reason why he knows he's probably going to get killed by these Jewish leaders is because these people who are just disputing Stephen are lying, saying he's blaspheming God. Stephen's not doing that. But they're saying he is. And if you blaspheme God, the consequences is to die by stoning. And so Stephen probably knows that his life is coming to an end. And the third characteristic that describes Stephen's life, it's going to be the third and the fourth that I'll describe in a moment, but this third and fourth one can only come by those who are truly full of the Spirit because it comes when we're in pain or suffering. If you're in pain right now or you're suffering or that's going to come, you can, descri- you can have these described in your life as well. These can be a part of who you are, just like it is in Stephen. So Stephen is before these people. The next word that describes his life is the word faithfulness. Stephen knows he's going to die And instead of running away from God or getting angry with God, he stands there and he takes whatever punishment he's going to get. He is faithful to God because God has been so faithful to him. And he knows how faithful God has been. And so how can he not be faithful right back to God, even if it means the end for him? And the reason Stephen can be faithful and the reason you and I can be faithful is if in the moment we are suffering, we remember. We remember the faithfulness of God. You see, Stephen, he's arrested. He's before this Jewish council. And what does Stephen do? He preaches the longest sermon recorded in Acts. No wonder I love Stephen. He just wants to preach. But here's the thing about Stephen. He goes all the way back into his people's history. And he remembers how God has been faithful throughout. How amazing is that? When you and I, when we are struggling or when we're angry, so often we turn on God. Or we forget all of the ways that God has been faithful up until this point. But Stephen, because he's full of the Spirit, one of the fruits of his life is faithfulness. And he recounts God's faithfulness right before he dies. For instance, here's what he says in Acts chapter 7, verse 5 in this very, very long sermon. He's thinking about Abraham, and he says, but God gave him Abraham. No inheritance here, not even one square foot of land. God did promise, however, that eventually the whole land would belong to Abraham and his descendants, even though he had no children yet. Again, he's looking back and saying, okay, here's what happened with Abraham, and Look at the promise that he had. Then he starts thinking about Joseph. Verses 9 through 10. These patriarchs were jealous of their brother Joseph, and they sold him to be a slave in Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him from all of his troubles. Again, the faithfulness of God. Even though Joseph thinks he doesn't have a chance here, he remembers that God was faithful to Joseph. He was with him in the worst time of Joseph's life. And then you fast forward all the way to the end of this sermon in Acts and Stephen, well, he knows he's gonna die so he just goes for it. And he says this in verses 51 through 53, you stubborn people, probably at that point they're picking up the stones like oh yeah, you wanna call me stubborn now? You stubborn people, he says, you are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did and so do you. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah whom you betrayed and murdered. You deliberately disobeyed God's laws, even though you received it from the hands of angels. Stephen is strong here with the truth, but he is speaking the truth. He's recounting the faithfulness of God, and he tracks it all the way to Jesus And he says, look, Jesus is going to continue to be faithful to us. Even though you may not believe it now, he is faithful. And because he has been faithful to me, I will be faithful to him even till the end. When you and I go through pain, there are two responses, only two. You will either turn away from God or you will turn towards God. Think of your life and the pain that you've gone through or the pain you're going through right now. You have either pushed God away because how could he do this to you? Or you've invited him in. I was talking to a friend recently. He went through a really, really hard time. Didn't know if he had cancer or not. Ends up being, he didn't have cancer, thank God. And we're speaking in my office recently, he looked at me, he goes, I would go back. So you go back. The times were, you didn't know if you had cancer or not. Or you didn't know what the future was going to hold for your babies and for your wife. You know, I'd go back. He so said, how is that possible? He said, I've never been closer to God than when I was going through that. You could see it on him. He knew that God has been so faithful to him. And because of that, he clung to God closer than ever before you will be tempted to ignore God and push him away. And I know that's such a natural response in all of our lives. Why would you do this? But what if the next time you're going through something or what you're going through right now, what if you looked back at what the scriptures say, look back at your own life and begin to thank God for all that he's done and even what you're going through right now, that he won't leave you, just like he didn't leave Joseph, just like he won't leave Stephen. Faithfulness is a fruit that comes from those whose lives are full of the Spirit. And if you want to be like Jesus, we want to be like Stephen and reflect that. But if you thought faithfulness was hard, I got one more that's harder. I don't know how Stephen does this. It's the fourth F, and it's forgiveness. Stephen, he goes through his sermon, and then look what happens. They rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats, laid them at his feet of a young man named Saul. Spoiler alert, Saul becomes a man named Paul. But at this point, Saul is a murderer, and he is at the murder scene of Stephen. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge him with this sin. And with that, he died. Stephen gets to the end of his life. He's lived a righteous life. He doesn't deserve to die. But at the end, they end up killing him. And what does he do? He doesn't curse them. He doesn't yell at them. Because he's full of the Spirit, he forgives them. Now, how is that possible? I'm reading about saying, I'm like, I can't do that. (laughs) But you can. If you recognize that this story sure sounds familiar. There's another man named Jesus, didn't deserve to die, who lived the perfect life, who died a death he shouldn't have died. And as he's dying on the cross, barely able to breathe, he says seven things on the cross. And one of those things that he says it's found in Luke 23-34. through 34. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. What does Jesus do? He forgives the people that does this to him. Stephen does the same thing. How does Stephen do it? Because he recognizes the forgiveness that Jesus has given to him. And because he's been forgiven for all of these things, how can he not forgive other people, even those who kill him? Isn't it so funny how bitter and angry we get at little things? Stephen, he forgives the big thing because he recognizes the big thing that he's been forgiven of in his life. You see, when we forgive other people, not only does it benefit us because we're in a prison right now, it benefits the other person. How do I know that? Ask Saul. Saul, who's standing there watching this guy, forgive him. Because of that gift, it leads eventually to Paul becoming the greatest missionary ever. I believe part of Stephen's forgiveness of Saul's life was a big part of why he ends up coming to the faith. Imagine the person in your life who you aren't forgiving right now, what could happen in their life if you gave them that gift? The only way we can do that is to recognize how much we've been forgiven. That's what we want to do this morning. So would you get your communion comes out this morning? Communion's a reminder of what Jesus has done. He's forgiven us. Forgiven us. If you don't have communion, you can raise your hand. We have a few people that are walking around to you. But open the top layer here. Jesus says, this is my body broken for you. Broken for you, even though... It, did, it wasn't fair that Jesus died. He still did it anyway so we could be full. Let's do this to remember Jesus this morning. If you push down on this tab right here then pull it up. Jesus said his blood was spilled so we could be reconciled to the Father, also known as forgiven. Forgiven not just for this world but until the next world so we could be with him forever how can we not forgive other people even the most egregious things because we have been forgiven of all the egregious things that we have done towards God may this be a tasty reminder of what he's done for you do this to remember Jesus Lord we ask that we would be like you by becoming like Stephen May we live lives full of the Spirit so we may bear the fruits, the fruits of all that you have for us, including forgiveness. God, help us to forgive those who have hurt us, not only so that we'll be free, but so they will be free as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great Sunday.